Hey, let's open our Bibles to the book of Jude. We're going to start the last section in the book of Jude. And uh, so I'll give you a minute to turn there. Uh, I have some very exciting, happy news for you. My wife's going to have a baby. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, no, it's, it's even better than that. Well, is there anything better than that? No. No, but many weeks ago, we prayed for Pastor Jim over Quidneset. How many of you remember that? We prayed for him. And I don't remember how many weeks ago that was, but, I mean, he couldn't talk. He couldn't swallow. And he had some, something happened in his body. And uh, so today, he's back in the pulpit today. So exciting. I just heard that this morning. And uh, he asked for prayer that, you know, that God would get the glory and that his voice would not... Uh, give out. This is a little bit bassy. If you can turn the bass down a little bit, it's kind of, I don't know if it's coming through some monitor or something. So, very glad to, uh, to hear that. That's better. A little bit of review to catch up because we've been uh, looking at other stuff the last few weeks with Palm Sunday and Good Friday. Let's pick it up in verse 20. Um, <clears throat> He says, but you, dear friends, build, your, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. So we, we, we talked about that for a few weeks where God, his word tells us to keep ourselves in his love, that you and I have responsibility to, to live in, in it, to know about it, to rely on it, to... to uh, Pay attention to it. And, and some of the things he says that are part of that is to build yourselves up on your most holy faith, to pray in the Holy Spirit, and, and to look and wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus to bring us to eternal life. The, the next thing he shares, and this is giving us some context, and, and that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to keep ourselves in his love. In verse 22 and 23, something else he says, Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by the corrupted flesh. So he talks about us being our brother's keeper. That we need to watch over one another. We do. We need to keep an eye out for each other. Because, you know, we, we're all different and and. We treat each other differently. We don't treat everybody the same. Some of them, we need to be merciful and compassionate. Others, you need to like grab them by the, the scruff of their, what is it? Neck. Neck? What is a scruff, anyways? But grab them by that and snatch them from the fire. That's what he said. Like get, you know, sometimes you got to be a little, you know, forceful and, and, uh, but you got to know the right people to do that to. You don't just do it to everybody. Somebody does, some people, they do it to everybody, and, and it doesn't go over real well. you got a real gentle person, and you're, you're you know, like screaming at them. They're going like, they're just, they can't receive from you. So we got to be sensitive and have the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us. So keep yourselves in the love of God and, and keep each other, watch over each other, 
But yet, over it all, this is where we pick it up today in verse 24, over it all, we look at how great and awesome God is, that God is keeping us, and that God is watching us. He's watching over us. Ultimately, we do what we can do, but ultimately, who really does it all? Ultimately, who is really the one that is doing all the work? Look at verses 24 and 25. It says, To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. I don't know about your Bible, but mine has a a heading for those last few verses it says doxology you know that word doxology right and uh it it really it's a combination of a couple of words but it really means expression of praise to god but when you look and you you break the word doxology up and it's doxa which is glory and ology which is from logos or the words so it's really what what a doxology is is glory words now, do men get doxologies? Well, in our, in our society, in our world, yeah, we give glory to men. But ultimately, does, do men really, should they receive any glory at all? Doxology is really only for God. Only for Him. But they're found, these doxologies, they're found throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament. They give him the glory. They give him the honor, the praise. They, they give him the worship. The whole book of Psalms pretty much is a, is a doxology, isn't it? The praise and worship, the songbook of, of uh, our Bible, especially the songbook of Israel. I want to read to you a couple. We're not going to look at all the doxologies. There's a whole bunch of them. You can, you can do a search for yourself and say, ask Siri if you talk to Siri. I don't talk to her. But if you do, you can say, show me all the doxologies in the Bible. And she will tell you. And there's like, you know, scores of them. But we're going to look at, I'm going to read a couple of them today. And we're going to look some more in the the coming weeks. First Chronicles chapter 29, though, let me read it to you. This is out of the New King James Version. It says, therefore, David blessed the Lord. Who did he bless? The The Lord. Before all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. That's a doxology, isn't it? Some of that, you know, we find reflected in in the New Testament words as well. The New Testament in Romans chapter 11, Paul says this, you know, Romans chapters 9 through 11 are, are pretty deep stuff. And, and, but at the end of it, 
Paul says these words at the end of Romans chapter 11. He says, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has, been, who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Even Paul, who, who, you know, incredible, you know, understanding, incredible, you know, theological insight that, that God gave to him. Even him, even Paul, you know, it's like, it's way beyond me. The glory words that came out of the mouth of Paul, that came out of the mouth of David. This is the kind of thing we see here in this doxology, these glory words at the end of Jude. Now, Jude, we, we've been looking at Jude for quite a long time, and he, he talks a huge section about all these false teachers and watch out for them, and this is the kind of people they are. This is the kinds of things they do and the greed and, and the, you know, the pride and everything else. But he doesn't leave us there, does he? He goes to the Lord. He says, to him, now unto him. Now unto him. All I want to look at today are, are these words. Now unto him who is able. I was thinking about that and I thought I can't. I want that thought in my mind, in my heart, in my head. Now unto him who is able. I think if you and I take that and we apply that to just the situations in our lives, just those words. How many is that? Now unto him who is able. These six words. You take those six words and apply those to your life? That's incredible. But let's break it down a little bit. Starting with the, the now unto him, because I think, I think that's kind of where we start. Now unto him who is able. This idea of a doxology, it, 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 these glory words, they go unto him. Right? Now, right now, in our lives, in your life, in whatever you're facing, now unto Him we praise, we, we speak, we sing, we pray unto Him. I was thinking about this, you know, this idea of doxology in our lives. Is it a part of my life? Is it a part of your life? Is there a doc, are you a doxology person where you're speaking glory words to the, to the God? Who is able? Am I speaking that, those words? Is that something? I, I thought, well, why, why would we do that? Why would it be a part of our lives? Why would it be a part of our walks? There, there is a lot of reasons, but the few that I came up with, one is it, is it puts focus upon him and not upon ourselves, not upon all the problems of the word, world. It, it puts the focus where it needs to be. Secondly, I think... I think if we are, we are speaking these kinds of words and we're like David speaking about how powerful God is, Paul speaking about how uh, incredible the wisdom and knowledge of God is, it, it, it will strengthen our faith. It'll, it'll uh, affect what we believe and how we face the things of this world and this life. And thirdly, just plain honors him. It honors him. 
And that's what you and I as believers are called to do, honor him. Now unto him. Now unto him. I like words. Now unto him. Now unto who? Now unto him. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the Lord, our incredible, incredible God. But he doesn't just stop there, does he? he and he talks about a lot of things here. That's why I, I've broken it down. Because the, the first thing here is that, that he is able. We, we're going to sing that at the end here. Now unto him who is able. He's able. Do we even believe that? Do we even know that? The word, the word uh, able in the, in the uh, Greek language is, is dynamite, which is where we get our word what? Dynamite. It's the word for power. And, it, and, and here, it's a present participle, meaning it, it is. He is. It's something that's ongoing, that it's, it's right now happening. Our God is able. It's not like he was able, though we talk about things that happen in our Christian lives. And God, look what God did. He was able and he, he incredibly did this thing. But he is able. And we know also that he always will be able to. But Paul... Paul here, excuse me, uh, Jude here is, is talking about what is right now. Will you look at the definition of that in your, what? Blue letter Bible, Bible, thank you. (laughs) It means to be able, we know that, but it also means to have power, and it simply means he can. Now unto him who can, he who has the power, who is able, unto him who can actually do something in your lives, in my life. You know, somebody in my house lost their keys uh, the other day. I'm not going to mention any names. You know, and, and so I gave them my keys, right? And I, and I said, well, I'll look. I'll try to find them. And I looked around and I looked around, you know, and then I went back and I was working on this message and I'm thinking, you know, the God who is able, now unto him who is able. I'm going, he's able. He's able to do all things, isn't it true? Not just some things. Well, are, are you able to help me find those keys? And I am not kidding. I went upstairs and I went to a spot and I reached my hand down and they were right there. Now, is it always so simple as that? No, but the fact of the matter is I knew right then that that this is what God showed me where to find him. Because I had looked and looked everywhere that I could think of. You see, I, I believe that he is able to work in our lives, in your life. Whatever you're facing, whatever I'm facing, I just believe that. And that's what Jude is telling us here today. To him, now unto him who is able. One commentator said it's God's continual, inherent, supernatural ability. He's able, he can Pastor Chuck said this, he said, not my ability, but his ability. Not my ability, but his ability. You know, how far am I going to get? 
How far are you going to get in your own strength? It doesn't say, you know, I can do all things in my own strength. Does it say that? No, it doesn't say that at all. Because it's, it, it's ridiculous. That, that's what the world says. You can do anything you want to do. Anything you set your mind to do, you can do. You dream it, you can do it. Right? This is the philosophy of the world, but but it's not true. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Pastor Chuck said, said this. He said, just as it seemed that the forces of darkness had prevailed, Jesus rose from the grave. Just when it seems, just when it looks like so, there's no way. How are we ever going to do anything? How how are we ever going to get out of this mess? God did something. God showed his ability. We need to be looking for it. That's what Jude is saying. Now, unto him who is able. Look look at him. That's where our focus should be. That's where we need to be uh, putting our faith. So, I've got some passages here that I want to look at, and you can turn with me to them. We're gonna, we're gonna, they're on the screen for you so you know where we're at. But let's start with Genesis. You know where Genesis is, first book, right? Genesis chapter 18, and, and uh, starting in verse 10, you had this, you had this old couple, right? I like to think about old couples for some reason. It's other people. It's not me, though, right? And, the, you know, the question is, you know, God made these promises to Abraham. Like, you know, we're going to build, you know, a nation out of you. Out of you and your wife. And, and he's going like, yeah, you know, how could that ever possibly be? In Genesis chapter 18, verse 10. And then the Lord said... I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So what did Sarah do? So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out, my master is old. My husband, he's, forget it. Will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? I like that. And say, will I really have a child now that I am old? And this verse 14 is what I want to point out to you. This is what the Lord says to Abraham. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Anything. You all know about a guy named Job, right? Turn with me to Job 42. Job 42. And uh, I was thinking about this. Um, Job faced incredible suffering. Incredible trials. And I, they, they say that they believe that Job was the oldest book written in, the, in our Bible. And, and you wonder about that because it's like... Because suffering and trials are a part of this life, you know. 
I don't think there's any connection to this, but uh, Pastor Jim, who I talked uh, about earlier, he had just he had just finished a huge long study in the Book of Job, because I'd hear him on the way home. They play their services on on WRV. I'd hear it on the way home, and he'd be talking about Job, and then he faces this incredible trial. We can't, you know, immunize ourselves from trials. They're they're very real. But after his trial. After his suffering, you know, uh, the Lord steps in and says, you know what, where were you when I did all this? Who do you think you are? Like, do you, do you really know anything? And, and, and he kind of he sets Job straight. And this is Job's answer here in chapter 42, the last chapter of the book of Job. It says, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Job says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Wow. He got his head, you know, he had to go through this incredible trial. One of the speakers at, at the conference we, we went to, he talked about being enlarged through distress. And I'll say that, that Job was enlarged. He, he, he was opened up and, and through the trials, but... But he says, I know. He came to this place and, and these trials, they, they strengthen, they, they test our faith and they bring us to this place like Job where, where we can say, I know that, that you can do anything. You can do all things and whatever your plan is, nothing can stop it. How about Jeremiah? Anybody know what they call Jeremiah? Man, you guys know a lot. Where'd you learn all this stuff? Blue letter Bible, I know. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32. So we've been in the law of Genesis. We've been in Job, which is part of the, the poetic books. Now we're in the prophets. Jeremiah 32. It was a very, very dark time. They called him the weeping prophet because things were so bad. And he was, he was just upset. And the, the people wouldn't listen and everything else. And look at verse 32, excuse me, verse 2, chapter 32. It says, The army of the king of Babylon was then besieging Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was confined in the courtyard of the guard in the royal palace of Judah. So he's locked up. And the, the king of Babylon is attacking Jerusalem. Things are not good at all. But jump. Jump down to verse 17 because, because Jeremiah, he, he, we sang this this morning. It says, after, uh, verse 16, after I'd given the deed of purchase to Baruch, son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord, ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Some things are too hard for you. Nothing is too hard. Yeah, right. That's what it says. Sometimes we, 
We can't see it, right? But Jeremiah, though, though you know, things did not look good at all. But he says, nothing is too hard for you. I'm hoping that some of these words that we're looking at today, maybe in your life, you, you hear it, that nothing is too hard for God in your life. You know, we all have trials. We have stuff that we got to deal with, stuff that we have to face, but nothing is too hard for, him, for our God. Now unto him who is what? Able. We jump into the New Testament, right? We have this incredible, and I'll, I'll uh, read it for you. Well, you can turn with me, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke chapter 1, we, we're talking about Jesus coming from heaven. The Word becoming flesh. It's an incredibly uh, miraculous thing that happened. So the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, this is what's going to happen. Verse 34 How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is is said to be barren, that's Elizabeth, is in her sixth month. So Mary is going to have a baby, and Elizabeth, who is barren, is also going to have a baby. Who would be who? John the Baptist, Baptist, right? And this is what the angel says, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. The angel says, nothing is impossible with God. Not it's nothing is impossible with man. But nothing is impossible with God. And we know the rest of the story. Yes. Mary had a child. She had no relations with Joseph, but she had this, tri- this child. And it, incredibly miraculous. Uh, Elizabeth had a child when she was well past uh, childbearing age. One more in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 18. I kind of li- like all of them, of course, but this one kind of uh, sticks out to me for some reason. Luke chapter 18, verse 25. There was a, a rich young ruler who came to Jesus, and, you know, Jesus said to him, you know, he, he, wants, to, he wants to follow uh, God. He says, what do I need to do? I've, I've kept all the commandments and all this stuff. But Jesus said, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. It says that when he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. He couldn't let go of the stuff, you see. Verse 24 says, Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. 
Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. And his disciples, those who were listening to him there, it says in verse 26, those who heard this, they asked, well, who then can be saved? Like the rich man, you think somebody who's rich, he's got everything. He, could, he surely you know, would be a candidate for salvation, right? Who can possibly be saved? It's, it's like it can't happen. The truth is, what do you and I have that makes us a good candidate for salvation, that God would save us? What do you have to offer? Your money? He doesn't need it. The, the, you know, the, the streets of heaven are paved with gold. He doesn't need that. He, he uses it for, you know, asphalt. He doesn't need the stuff we have. He, 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 he doesn't need anything that we can do, anything that we, you know, think that we can offer. But Jesus replied, What is impossible with men is possible with God. Where are we going to focus? We're going to look at what men can do, or what we're going to look at what God can do. Jesus came and he he came and he took the form of a man so that he could die for us, so that we could be saved. We got it so backwards in our in our world, and so and all the religions of the world, except the true doctrine of Christianity and there are a lot of so-called Christian faiths that they're based upon works what can I do to get into heaven you know what do I need to do what what kind of rules can I follow what you know what 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 do I need to do to get into heaven this guy was kind of in that that same place the truth is you can do nothing to get into heaven he could do nothing the disciples said, well, you know, if he can't get in, then surely you and I, you know, we can't get in. That's, it. That's not even going to happen. But Jesus said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Where's the focus going to be? I read this uh, devotional called Streams in the Desert. I mentioned it sometimes, and I found a poem in there. Sometimes I like the poems in there, sometimes I don't. Someone just told me today that they write poems. I won't mention any names because then you'll try to go find this person. Uh, and, and it really doesn't say who wrote it, so it's anonymous. It says, can you take the barren soil and with all your pains and toil make the lilies grow? You cannot, O oh helpless man. Have faith in God. He can. Can you paint the clouds at evening? And all the sunset colors weave into the sky. You cannot, O powerless man, have faith in God. He can. And I like this third verse the best. Can you still your troubled heart and make all cares and doubts depart from out of your soul? You cannot, O troubled man, have faith in God. He can. Now... Unto him who is able. Now unto him who is able. There are two other verses, and I'm just going to read. Actually, I got them on the screen for you. Two other verses start out the exact same way, uh, both by Paul. 
The first one found in Romans chapter 16, it says, Now to him who is able. Jude says it, same exact words. Now to him who is able, and, and Paul says, to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. He is able to establish you. We're going to look next week at the things that he's able to do for us. But here's a, a little one for you to look at right there. He's able to establish you. Do you ever feel like your world is kind of shaking? I've been dealing with this like vertigo thing recently. The little crystals in your ear get moved around and it's like, Man, you just stand in there, all of a sudden it starts going, whoa. Any of you ever get that? It's weird. But he is able to establish you, to put your feet upon a rock, Psalm 40. Put my feet upon a rock and make you stable and firm, Peter says, and steadfast. And the second one, you're going to know this verse for sure. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, all that you ask, one version says, or even imagine. He's able. Now, unto him who is able. In your life, in my life, in, in this crazy world that we live in today, who are we going to look at? Where are we going to look for, for the answers? We've got to look to him. Unto him who is able. I hope those words kind of just get into your mind. And, and when you start to face something like Job, you remember, now unto him, i got to focus on him. i got to give him the honor and the glory and the praise and the worship because he is able. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I'm thinking about that word, those words in that song, Lord, uh, all our words fall short. And Lord, it's just gratitude for, for all that you are and all that you uh, have done and are doing and will do in our lives. When we really stop to think about it, and, and even at the end of the trial, Job was, was just floored. And he repented in dust and ashes. He humbled himself because... He knew that you were the creator, the awesome God who, who can do all things and nothing can stop your plan. So God, we call upon your name today. We, we look to you, we give to you our hearts, our worship, our songs, our prayers, our thoughts our words. Father, I pray for your people today. I pray for just the encouragement that you know what you're doing. And lean not on our own understanding, but lean upon you to trust in you because you, you have it all worked out, the steps 
the path, it's all worked out. Father, uh, you know us, you know we're just weak. We're frail. We're human. But Jesus, you were here and you know you know what it was like and you faced it. But you overcame it all and so we look to you for that strength that we need to, to go one more day. Get up and praise you and, and get up and move on. Go into another new day. Even when we've blown it, even when we've fallen, even when we just wish we could do it over again. Lord, it doesn't matter. We need to go forward and and trust in you. Jesus, we thank you for the cross. They thought you they thought they had you, but they had nothing. Because death could not keep its hold on you. First step for any of us, of course, is to trust in Jesus. Give our hearts and lives to him and And that's where life begins. And maybe if you haven't done that, now's a good time to simply say, Jesus, I ask you into my life. I I believe that you died on that cross for for my sins, for me. And I turn to you. In Jesus' name.